Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford, and uh, we're doing something a little different today. This is a pre-recorded show, so ignore the phone lines. Don't dial in. There's nobody here to talk to when you're listening to this. I've uh, I've got uh, some friends with me today. Uh, it's uh, kind of a modified edition of Trucking Technology and Efficiency. Uh, Henry and John are with me today. Joel, I think, is still busy playing with uh, Volvo stuff. We're going to do something a little different today. Normally, uh, Henry and John are what we would consider our technical experts, but uh, today they're going to be commentators. We're all going to be commentators today. I'm just going to go through some trucking news I've been collecting and meaning to talk about and I haven't got to yet, and I'll do my usual commentary, and then we'll find out what they think. We might be a little all over the board today, but... uh, I think we'll find it interesting. So I'm on another kick of reading all the Grisham books that I've missed over the years. So I think that's why this is on my mind. But um, did you see what happened this week in the grand jury? No. You got to go look this up, too. So I don't understand all the legalities of this, but I have a pretty good idea of how grand juries work. And like I said, I'm not an attorney, but I read a lot of books. Uh, Grand juries are secret. It's right in the oath you take that you will not disclose this information that that you learn in the grand jury to anybody, not even the other grand jurors. You're not allowed to talk to them while this is all happening. We all know that about juries. I mean, this is pretty basic stuff. So I don't I don't even remember which state it is. Georgia, maybe some state is trying to indict Trump on something. They've charged him with something. So now it goes to a grand jury and a grand jury is it, that's us. If you get called for jury duty, you could potentially be going to a grand jury. It's the same process in most states. And it's the same thing. It's just us civilians and grand juries. It's not a trial. It all they do is you see all the evidence and the grand jury decides, is there enough evidence here to even move forward? Do we think that a crime here was committed? Most of the time, prosecutors don't submit stuff to a grand jury until they're sure it's going to go past. So almost everything gets past the grand jury. And then it goes to a, a jury trial or whatever, a settlement. This is a very, very secret process. It always has been. We we know this. I think everybody kind of knows this. And yet they convened a grand jury They had their hearings and this is all, you know, are we going to charge Trump and these other people? I don't even know what they're charging him with. Who cares? Um, But the four person. So I don't know if there's 12 on a grand jury. I forget the number. But however many they voted this woman in. It's hard to call her a woman. She still looks like she's about 16, honestly, and she acts like it, too. She's the four person on this jury. The day after the grand jury dismisses everybody and you don't know anything yet. The process is still in process. The very next day, she is all over the media. She's been on CNN, MSNBC, all of them, and talking about all of it, talking about what actually went on in the grand jury and giggling about it the whole time. And then she sits there and she's like, you know, I just want, they asked her, is is anybody going to be indicted? And and she can't even know that because we don't know that yet. It hasn't been decided. But her answer was, well, you know, it's Trump. I hope they do something. She's supposed to be impartial. (laughs) And this is insanity. 
I've just never seen anything like this. She's been all over the news for days now, and she is a lunatic. She considers herself a witch, (laughs) and she's just a nut job. (laughs) You got to go watch it. I I am just stunned at this. Now, the problem is half of the country will immediately agree with this lunatic just because it's Trump. And the other half will be like me ranting about, I don't care that it's Trump. It's our court system that's been corrupted horribly here. And nobody seems to care. Even the, the hosts were saying, is, is this right? Should we be talking about this? <laughs> no, you shouldn't be. You should have never had this lunatic on your show. <laughs> Meanwhile, back to marijuana and trucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, all right. So one more, and then I think we're going to wrap this up. Um, I've been talking okay. a lot about AI. Man, did this come out of nowhere. You know, just two months ago, we got our first crack to play at a little bit of AI, a text bot, and all of a sudden AI is everywhere and it's not going away. Um, and, and I think it's going to be, I think there are going to be more downsides than upsides. I, I think there are some some upsides I'm excited about, but I, I'd rather not see this happen. Here, here's the headline. How will AI shape the future of freight negotiations? So these AI t- technologies are going to be able to do all kinds of crazy stuff. They can write books. They can pass exams. They can argue with you. Uh, it's pretty crazy, and I, I just don't think most humans can get their head around how this actually works. So in this case, and I'm just going off the headline, I didn't even really read the article. Uh, my thought is there could be a very powerful use of AI in freight, but I don't think we're going to end up with that. I think we're going to end up with what I don't like. I think we're going to end up with AI that does the negotiation itself. I, I think that's a really bad idea. I think that's a race to the bottom. That's like these bidding sites where, you know, everybody just yeah. bids until the cheapest person gets it. Um, so I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, here's, bidding, yeah. here's where I think there's huge potential here. I want to turn an AI bot loose on truckstop.com and DAT, and I want it to find all the best freight in there. Hmm. You know, a million, millions of loads being posted every week. And they're, they're, we're getting more and more rates on loads now. There's a push in the load board industry to get the brokers and, and shippers to post a rate with every load. Um, at that point, I now think AI is powerful. Now I can go use AI to pick out very specific kind of freight that I'm looking for that you can't do with just traditional search engines. That that would be, for the shipper's side of it, a race possibly to the bottom for them, but... Yeah, <laughs> that's why I like it. Yeah. I, uh, I know that what, when you go into that, it brought up a subject to me that's related. I had a, was a good customer, and they started this deal where they got a broker in charge, and everybody had to bid on the freight every week. I said, "See you later. Call me back when you're done with this game." And they did end up calling me back later on, and. Of course, I went up 10% to go back, but I wasn't going to participate in that because that's just like you said, it's just a race to the bottom. So here's their explanation of it. It says on AI's ability to navigate seas of data, moves are happening all the time and the environment around these moves is changing. So there's a lot of data surrounding those moves 
and a lot of complexity and there's a lot of fast moving data. That's what I said. You, you can't interpret this stuff with search engines. It's, it's impossible. But AI could do this. I just wish we would be doing it in a different way. Here's what it says. What a machine can do is go through all of the underlying data about, let's say, a single container moved from point A to point B and understand what moves have been done in the past and which carriers are perfect for this move and how to negotiate the move. That's where AI has a lot of power to be able to look at huge amounts of data and interpret things that a a basic search engine can't. But I think this is probably going to be used to race to the bottom on rates. Well, or or the thing on that, Kevin. Go ahead. Oh, you know, well, from what you just told me there, if I'm a if I'm a medium sized trucking company or big company, I'm I'm already hiring some computer guys to figure out how to work the algorithm to get all the stuff. Yeah. Like it's, if you, you should be able to figure out, you know, if it says what you just said right there, picks the best shipper for whatever it is, you're going to know how to work that algorithm. It's going to be like a dating app for shipping. So (laughs) you're going to have to, you'll, you'll know the keywords, you know, whatever the algorithm's going to throw the stuff at you and not somebody else. So, I mean, right now I see, I see a new job for someone at every trucking company there is. You know what I see most of our new technology doing? I see, you know, we, we keep hearing the rich keep getting richer, the poor keep getting poor, and the middle class is disappearing. And it's true. It's absolutely true. What we all can't agree on is why it's happening mm-hmm. or how do we stop it. Or it, 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 To me, it's this kind of technology. The, the people who already have money and, and I don't, not more intelligence, oh. but they, they, you know, people like us, it, we, we read about this stuff. We're interested in it. We're on top of it before anybody else even talking about it. We're going to benefit from this. We'll figure out how to benefit from this. So the people who get this stuff and have money to advance it and use it in their business will continue to get richer. And, and, but we have a whole bunch of people that are just missing out on all of this stuff and they're at the bottom and nobody's in the middle anymore. That's what I was going to say, sort of like John was saying, if both sides start using it, do you end up at the same place? If both sides are using that type of technology at some point. I guess it depends on who uses it better. It's just like anything else. Who, who's better at, I mean, at controlling fuel? We deal with that today. You're really good at controlling fuel. It gives you a huge advantage. Everybody else could do what you're doing, but they don't. Yep. All right. Boy, we were kind of all over the board today, weren't we? Yep. Let me go through. uh, The idea, right? Here's one. I I need to just delete this. I don't even know why I saved this one. Um, Probably because I used to get this question all the time, and I'm kind of shocked that it's back in the trucking news um, I thought we dispelled this myth about a decade ago, but here's the headline. I guess they have to find something to write about. Nitrogen benefits truck tires, but is the high cost worth it? Let me just cut to the chase. No, move along. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I have even stopped. It's unbelievable. Go, go ahead, Henry. When I bought my GMC, uh, Acadia Denali, and part of the negotiation, when I looked at it, I said, that's gone. And they're like, what? They had $175 for putting nitrogen in my tires. I'm like, $175? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, $175 for nitrogen. I'm like, no. <laughs> Not no. Hell no. Uh, furthermore, no. No. <laughs> And he's like, and he starts trying to negotiate with me. I said, "No, this is not negotiable." 
Just go out there and let the nitrogen out of those tires and put air in it. I'll be fine. That's right. <laughs> Take it back. All right. So I deal with this a lot in motorsport. And even in racing, uh, when I had my pro Mazda team, we would go crazy. I'd spend hundreds of dollars a weekend, which is nothing in our world, on nitrogen. So we'd get, we'd get a whole bank of bottles and would purge the tires. And I really wanted to build some sort of vacuum system to pull them down like you would a refrigeration system and then just fill them back up with nitrogen. And Of course you would. Noticing that we still, we still weren't nailing our, our hot pressures. Uh, they weren't all that easy to control. You ended up with very varying percentages of nitrogen in there. And again, I'm looking at a couple of tenths of the PSI. It's kind of beyond what uh, yeah, right. you know, you're going to get on a big truck or something. Yeah. And... You know, so so some cars, you know, there, there's a delta between cold and hot pressure, and I, I often use the hot pressures to look at the balance of the car. So the car coming after a run, and to really get the first hand is get the get the uh, pressures off of it. Uh, tire temps once in a while. I don't do those every time. Uh, so some of my cars do have infrared sensors on them, so I can see the temps while they're going to, on their on the track and data. So what I found was we could nail our hot pressures just as easily with regular old air, a little air compressor. Uh, that said, if you got a compressor spitting out some moisture, you could have a problem. But at the track, we have a desiccant dryer on our on our compressor. It's as consistent as nitrogen, and I'm looking at tents, right? I can, I can, you know, through the whole 24 hour, all 18 sets of tires or whatever we used, I was dealing with my hot pressures almost every every set, and we were running air. You know, we just had air in it. With dried air, don't get me wrong. So you don't, you know, you don't want to get sloppy and, and you know, might want to be careful where, where it comes from, at least on the initial fill of the tire. And hopefully the shop that you have mount your tires uses a dryer on their, on their compressor. But other than that, it's not necessary. I mean, the atmosphere is, what, 80%, 79% nitrogen anyway? I mean, it's uh, yeah, I, pretty stable. Yeah, I forget, 70, uh, 78, yeah. or 78%, yeah. I think, nitrogen, 20 <laughs> Twenty-one percent, almost eighty percent. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. you know, it's funny because I didn't read this article, but I was just scrolling through it as you were talking, and I found a quote from Mike Roth from NACVI. Um, and it's kind of what I just said. Mm-hmm. He said, "You know, we've been studying nitrogen forever on fuel economy," and he said, um, "We've been studying it forever. None of the fleets use it, and yet it keeps coming up in the field. Why are we still talking about this?" I don't know. The only thing I do is. Like John said, I make sure it's dry, and in my case, I run it off the uh, airline off the truck because dry. It went through the air dryer. Right. You get a dryer on your truck. That's perfect. Yep. So here's a couple more quotes. This tells you how what a waste of time this is. So you got Mike Roth from NACVI saying, we've tested it. Makes no sense. Nobody uses this stuff. This was a decade ago. Why are we still talking about it? I was talking about it a decade ago. Said nobody's going to use this. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, here we go. Here's their kind of summary. Don't count nitrogen out. Nitrogen can still play a vital role for fleets, particularly those that have equipment that sit for long periods of time. Um, but then we get down to the bottom and here's another quote. I'm not aware of a single trucking fleet in North America that is utilize, utilizing nitrogen inflation. Kid says it's mostly most typically used in aircraft and racing tires and occasionally in off-road tires. Could we beat a dead horse anymore? Well, here's where we need to move on this, John. We need to run helium in our tires because it'll reduce your unsprung weight. I talked about that. Oh, yeah. I think we're on to something. I know. I think we're on to something. 
there, there's <laughs> Henry, you may have stumbled across it before. There's a magazine called Race Car Engineering. It's got some really cool stuff in it. And 10-ish years ago, there was an article on the, the formulas of gases that different F, F1 teams were running in their tires. And so, of course, they all had some sort of custom whatever they put in there. And what I found most of them had was what, what I thought really interesting was Freon. I have no idea why they'd run Freon in their tires. I never went, went as far as to figure it out. And I'm not sure what the expansion properties are of it or what you know, how much it grows or doesn't grow. Or, you know, maybe they were looking for more growth, not less. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was an interesting. They might have been looking at because, like, helium, I joked around with that with a tire engineer. And he said, no, the molecules are too small to migrate through the sidewall. Which hmm. well, makes that's, sense, right? That, that's, and, that's the advantage of nitrogen. The molecules are bigger. They don't leak yeah. out through the rubber as much. Your tire holds its inflation right. longer with pure nitrogen. But we're talking such minor differences here. <laughs> that's what working trucking. But going back to racing, John, remember when they were running the blazer screws and stuff a lot on spring Oh, yeah. Cars? Oh, we played with those on road race cars, too. Yeah. Right. So if you had a molecule that migrated through the sidewall fast enough, maybe you wouldn't get too much of your heat built up that you could start out closer to right. Maybe. Right. Yeah, I mean, so it could be more consistent. Again, that's the whole philosophy in, in racing is that, you know, we could, we could have a smaller delta between cold pressure and hot pressure. But it, like I said, it's minuscule. It really, and I've run yeah. both. It's, it's, it's like a non-issue. And, and uh, the bleeder thing I always j- thought was cool, but we never made them work. John, just to even put a finer point on that, aren't you in an industry that works on minuscule changes? Oh, absolutely. Tiny yeah, it, changes, it, 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 right? And, and the, the difference in the... You're right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'll have arguments with guys at the track about this. Some will argue with me up and down, and they'll they'll spend the hundreds and hundreds of dollars a weekend on the, t- on the tanks of nitrogen and you know, they'll have their tire guys blow out nitrogen in, let it go out, in, out, in, out, in, out. They just purge it. So what they end up with is an unknown percentage of it in there. <laughs> and, you know, it's just not as consistent. I, 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 like I said, well, I'll go round and round with them sometimes. I'll bet. Hey, since we're talking about racing and we're jumping all over the place, uh, what's the update on electric in racing? That almost seems like the, the place that we should be seeing all kinds of innovation. I'm going to go back to my being a hybrid fan. The, uh, if anyone watched the 24 hours of Daytona, the GTP cars, which are the new hypercars or the equivalent of the hypercar in Europe, um, with the hybrid systems, they are, they were significant. Lap time wise, they were about the same as last year's car, maybe a tick quicker. Uh, they are heavier with the hybrid system. So the cornering speeds were down a little bit, but they were just bullets in a straight line. They were going over 200 miles per hour into turn one. And they ran like clocks. Uh, they burned way less fuel than they did last year. I forget exactly the percentage. It's a pretty big number, though, over the course of the 24-hour. Um, you know, on the hybrid end, you know, the, the kinetic energy recovery, as we like to call it in racing, um, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful frontier right now. Uh, the full electric thing, that's still just kind of a, the, the Formula E, as they call it, is sort of just a dog and pony show it's uh it's a spec car with all the same stuff and no real opportunity to do any programming on it but with the uh the new imsa gtp class they're calling it um and if you want to look up yeah imsa gtp that'll you get point in the direction to tell you all about the cars it does have a spec system on it the cars all use the same battery and the same electric motor uh and the same hybrid units that's mounted between the gearbox and the engine and it's the rear brakes of the car, so we slow the car down with it now at the rear. 
Yeah. So the, uh, it does have hydraulic brakes on still for the rules, but we're now generating electricity on the way into, into the turns, which is great. You know, hauling that thing down from that 200 miles per hour does generate a lot of energy. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, take a lot of energy to do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. It, and, and the acceleration. Uh, one cool kind of scary thing they did, and as someone who was actually on pit lane, luckily I wasn't out on on pit lane, <laughs> is the way they've designed this car is it, it's pit speed limiter. You kill the engine when you get to the, when you get there, there's a line at each end of the pit lane where there's a speed limit in between and it's prescribed speed, it runs on the electric motor in pit lane. So when you pull into the box, as we call it, get your service done, fuel, tires, whatever, driver change, and out, you don't start the engine. The engine's already off when it comes in. You come in on the electric motor, and you leave on the electric motor, and it pump starts itself. When you, That's got to make it quiet. Really cool. It's super quiet, which is what was spooky for it the guys in pit lane. You're going to get run over. You don't yeah. hear a car coming. Yeah, that's what I'm You hear this thinking. thing go... It just whirs when you go by you, and you know here you uh, you know are on you know the world the famous uh, pit lane of Daytona, and here comes by the silent car, and whenever they light, they they just pop to life, and you hear the gasoline engine. Then and it just wow. sounds great. Like, oh. And and, and yeah. they do it right at the end of the pit lane, like when they release the pit speed button, the thing starts up, and a number of them spun when the when this happened. Though I guess still they have some work to do on the. Uh, uh, on some of the programming there as to how, you know, how fast the engine starts and the amount of acceleration and maybe a little work, a little traction control into what happens when the, when the engine starts. But, uh, it was cool as hell. I, I think the future's bright for it on the hybrid end. I, again, I love hybrid. I just, I, I think it's being greatly ignored in, in favor of, uh, you know, plug-in hybrid, range extended hybrid. There's so many options right now. So many things you could do to, to increase our efficiency twofold. I, I firmly believe uh, they're just being completely ignored in favor of all electric trucks. Or hydrogen electric, yeah. which seems overly complicated for me. And, you know, we, we already have gas right. and diesel stations everywhere we need them, and we have no hydrogen stations to speak of. And either one, to me, seems like a a shorter term. I mean, it, it might be a decade or more. I'm not talking about just a year or two. But I, I think ultimately, unless some other technology comes along, I can't even imagine what it would be. Um, I think we will have pure electric. When they solve the battery issue, I think we will have pure electric. I, but I, I'm with you. I don't know why we're totally ignoring the hybrid thing and why we're putting so much effort into hydrogen. Well, yeah, it makes no sense to me. You're racing with the hybrid on a related subject. And I didn't end up following it because, well, I was a race driver. How does that autonomous racing go? Which, oh, well, I'll, so, uh, I'm, so hold on before anybody says anything more. I, I, I'm, I just have to jump in on this one before I hear any opinion from anybody. This might be the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And maybe it's just because I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not. I, when it comes to sports of any kind, motorsports, football, baseball, anything, sports, stuff I love, I am not a spectator. I don't like to watch any of this stuff. I don't watch sports on TV. I don't follow any sports. Even (laughs) if it's stuff like this, John, I could talk to you about racing all day long. I'm fascinated by it. I'd love the technology. And that's why I'm thinking it's such a cool playground for electric. And there's so much money in racing. I I wish somebody would play with this. But I really don't know why we're just skipping the hybrid thing um, in, in trucking and focusing more on on hydrogen and and I, I don't know. I just I I think that that uh 
the racing world could just be the pioneer in a lot of this stuff. As it has been with everything. Right. Henry knows that. And it's, uh, and I think it will be. I, I just don't think we're talking about it. But I, I, I want to go I, I back. Really I really think it's not being talked about. To me, yeah. watching a bunch of autonomous vehicles race. Oh, please. I'd rather watch the Golf Channel. And I don't like golf. <laughs> that, that just it, doesn't. I, that doesn't sound all that great to me. I, I don't. That just does not sound enticing at all. It'd be interesting it only, if they had if they had autonomous race cars with race cars with drivers in them at the same time. Now that could get interesting. Or or how about, <laughs> you're going for a ride. Yeah. How about race cars like drones, where we have a driver but he's not in the car? That would even be more interesting. Right. Big, big well, so cars, I guess, is what I'm talking there. about. There is a series there right go, now. Kevin. Um, you have drones, autonomous, and driver in the car at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the track at the same time. Well, there you go. So, so Henry, it is happening. Uh, you, 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 you're, to answer your question, uh, there is a series of... Uh, universities it's like an sae thing it's like it's like a society of automotive engineers thing it's not formula sae but there's an autonomous challenge it's called uh they've run uh indy lights cars autonomous autonomously last year at uh indianapolis motor speedway and they, they've done a number of races since then a very good friend of mine a guy named brandon dixon is a professor at uh, university of alabama and he heads up their team. Uh, and, and Brandon's a racer. Uh, Brandon and my son raced against each other for years. Uh, he's a little bit older, but uh, he's a damn good driver, really cool guy, uh, built his own race car. It's just a really, really neat guy. And he's, you know, he's a physics professor at Bama, so he's, he's, he's no dummy. But uh, you could Google it and look up their team. They, they won the last race, actually. Uh, it was pretty cool. But uh, unless you're doing, unless, to me, like you said, I'm not a spectator either. I don't know the value in this yeah. other than to develop some autonomous technologies, but the kids that are doing it, you know, the ones who are participating, who are writing the code to do it or building the stuff to make it happen that are doing it, love it. Oh, I'm I mean, sure. They're really Absolutely. Just, just quite a project. Yeah. I, I was going to say, this isn't a spectrum. Yeah, again, it's it's, it's yeah. an engineer sport. No, nope. It's, a, it's an engine. Yeah, and again, so what they've done is there's an actual challenge. They race each other. Uh, the cars are based on a really formidable race car, the Indy Lights car. You know, the car it's the current car. It's the car that they race in the Indy Lights series right now that it's based on. It's a really cool deal. Um, you can watch some of it online. They've got a YouTube channel for the series. You, you can check it out. But if you, you know, if you want to Google the uh, University of Alabama's autonomous racing team, I think it is, you'll get all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, it's, it's a pretty neat deal. But I actually watched one of their races live streamed. It was pretty exciting. Uh, they did. They had a race that I think it was Kentucky Speedway in the fall that uh, that they actually won. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But yeah, so it's there. It's going to help drive those technologies. So there's stuff happening there. We haven't talked about autonomous in quite a while. No, yeah. uh, for some reason. Uh, but you know, my my friend that uh, that works at a truck manufacturer that we won't mention uh, tells me they've got at least thirty autonomous trucks driving around Texas all the time. They're, they're, so they're all they're over. doing deals with Te- Waymo. They're doing deals with, uh, um, they, they've got like three or four different of the autonomous guys that they're working with. They've let each of them outfit some trucks and they're out working. I mean, they're actually, you know, 
one of them, you know, they're out hauling loads with autonomous trucks. One of my headlines that I didn't get to, Tesla yeah. just announced that they will release um, full autonomous on their truck in 2024. It'll be an option. Right. Have you seen all the anti-self-driving Tesla stuff on TV? And oh, these, yeah. These ads? That these, yeah, these it's people? hilarious. Oh, my God. Are they hilarious? They are. I know. These people are lunatics. <laughs> While we're on this subject of electric, did you see that the Ram commercial on premature EV? Yes, <laughs> I did. Oh, Great, my isn't God. It? oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, the comical value of it was, I'm like, wow. I haven't seen that. Uh, I really like I, I, uh, Ram slash, uh, you know, FCA's marketing, I think, is fantastic. They, they have some pretty cool ads. So, yep. All right. Now, um, most of what we've talked about today, at least circled around trucking somewhat, um, I, I am going to jump to a health topic, which, you know, we talked about 400 pound truck drivers earlier. So I guess this does kind of fit. Um, I, I am to the point I, I talk about this all the time. My my day starts off with me waking up, drinking coffee and reading hundreds of headlines. And if the headline looks interesting, I mark it. At some point, I'm going to talk about it. So I, I read a lot of headlines. I swear I'm getting to the point where I read a headline and I have to go find out, I, is this from the Babylon Bee? I mean, the, the satire <laughs> is no longer as funny or crazy as the real news is. I, I'm I'm really glad that I don't work at the Babylon Bee. I don't know how you can top some of the real news these days. So here's the headline. Won't tell you much. FDA approves Aspire Assist obesity device. I'm like, what the hell is that? Um, so let me try to read their description. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration today approved a new obesity treatment device that uses a surgically placed tube to drain a portion of the stomach contents after every meal. Isn't that called bulimia? <laughs> And don't they know that that's not how it works? We're, well, did they hire a bunch of 14-year-old girls to come up with this idea? Well, the advantage of that, Kevin, is that you can go back to the buffet after you drain it. Well, yeah. Here's, here's the next line. The Aspire Assist device should not be used on patients with eating disorders. Hold on. All of the fat asses have eating disorders. That's why they're fat. They have an eating disorder. So that's exactly who you're giving this to. You're going to give them a couple new eating disorders now. Well, and again, does anybody really have an eating disorder? I mean, I, I get bulimia and things like that, but the food that we're eating is so addictive and, and, and the way it's spiking and <laughs> dipping your blood sugar and making you want to eat more. You, you don't, you don't find cessation in any of the food that you're eating normally. So you're going to continue to eat. You're just eating the wrong stuff. Uh, it's just really that simple. I, I, it drives me nuts. I know. I, I, so I, I like I said, I didn't even think this was real. Yeah. Hmm. So it's it's you know it's, it's hilarious. The funny thing is, you're you're, you're on the, the heavy subject right now. I was I was at a party on uh, uh, Saturday night with a friend uh, at her boss's house, and her boss's wife has lupus, and she's a pretty lady, thin thin as a rail. And they were literally joking about how crappy she eats, but she remains thin and she's got lupus and everybody felt sorry for having lupus and she needs to be on whatever drugs and yeah. whatever. And I'm like, and I just said, I said, did, did she try changing her diet? 
Oh, she could eat anything, man. She yeah. drinks full, you know, no, full sugar coke and Cheetos and whatever, and she doesn't get. But the thing is, they immediately related to, right. to getting fat, right? And like, no, not like, just to help. Stop. Right. I mean, why wouldn't she just do just just try a full on carnivore reset for two weeks? See how you feel, right? Just change what's in the cupboard. Just don't don't do that. And it's nuts. So okay, so drain the stomach and. Your 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 tongue still tasted that stuff. You still have the insulin release. This is dumb. That's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and, and, you know, I get I get yelled at when when I get preached with everybody. The latest one I'm getting now is you're not a doctor. I've got a friend whose son is 24 years old and has RA so bad that he's going to be in a wheelchair in about two years. And everybody oh. feels bad for him too. Oh. And he's got to be on this drug and that drug and the drug and the drugs destroy his immune system. And he had to be super careful, you know, about COVID and blah 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 blah. The kid has eaten nothing, eats nothing but stuff out of boxes. Yeah. Highly refined grains. He eats, he eats nothing but carbs and sugar and like nothing. I mean, it, maybe you'll have a steak once in a while, but rare. Not, not only a rare steak, but only rarely happens. <laughs> so it rarely happens, right? And, and yeah. I can't. And, and his, his mom is a good friend of mine and, and she, she's a food studies major. She, she writes about food. She's oh. in the food. She's overweight as well. Oh. And and she's smart enough to know I could have this conversation with her, and I just get, well, you're not a doctor. You're not you're a maybe, doctor. I'm like, no, I'm not. But that's, I'm, that's the good yeah, thing. Okay, I'm not. That's a good thing. Our doctors don't get so, those. You know, yeah. Keep keep keep, it, keep your kid on Rebelsis and all that other stuff that he takes, and and whatever, and he can hardly walk. He's 24 years old. Like it, it's. And every, oh, Teddy has RA. I'm like, yeah. Teddy doesn't have to have RA. Do you know that? He, he doesn't. No, not at all. You can use me as an example, John. I was diagnosed with RA in my 20s. And it was horrendous. I had horrible joint pain. It was getting worse all the time. In my, I'm about to be 60. It's gone. I'm completely gone. I have no markers of RA anymore. I have no pain. We can do this stuff all day long. Right. Well, I, you know, I might not be a doctor, but I'm sure you've stayed in the Holiday Inn Express before. So you <laughs> I, stay in, I stay in those all the time, Eric. <laughs> all right, let's get to the. That's, that's let, usually my go to on the road, actually. Let, let's get to the fun stuff about this article and device. Um, oh, they, there's more. Oh, there's more. Um, they have but safety. Wait, but wait, there's more. Yeah, they have a safety feature built in. They don't want people to abuse this. So if you after you've drained your stomach content 115 times, the device resets just so you don't overuse it. Um, let's get down to the, the really fun stuff. Side effects related to the use of the device include occasional indigestion, nausea, vomiting, constipation and diarrhea. The surgical placement of the gastric tube is associated with risks, including sore throat pain, abdominal bloating, indigestion, bleeding, infection, nausea, vomiting, sedation-related breathing problems, inflammation of the lining of the abdomen, sores on the inside of the stomach, pneumonia, unintended puncture of the stomach, or intestinal wall, and death. We're not done. Risks related to the abdominal opening for the port valve include abdominal discomfort or pain, irritation, hardening or inflammation of the skin, um, leakage, bleeding, and or infection around the site, um, migration into the stomach wall, all having the potential to necessitate removal of the device. And after removal of the device, there may be risk of persistent persistent fistula, an abnormal passageway between the stomach and the abdominal wall. It, it goes on. 
It's contra. I can't even read any more of this. All of this, and all people have to do is just change what they stuff in their pie hole every day. And, and study it. It's not hard to learn how that why that works, right? If you know, again, you have to ignore everything we've been told since I was an hour had a heart attack, right? But if you look at how we evolved over those millions of years, what we ate, and then what happens when you eat these foods it matters, right? It's what, what as soon as that sugar hits your tongue or even the fake sugar hits your tongue it tells your body to do something yes that's because you know way back in the paleo era you ate a berry or something it knew it was winter time and you couldn't find any meat so it's like i better store some energy right so that that's that's wired into us it's not like it's that's that's not not hard to figure out right you're right it's hardwired it's hardwired yeah there's a you know taking it back to trucking or racing or any of that it's no different I suppose, than putting the wrong fuel in your fuel tank to run the truck or to run the race car. It's not going to work. Yeah. Likely it. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, our body is such an incredible creation. It it can operate on on this garbage. And, And that is unfortunate because we don't realize how much damage it does. We seem okay. Most of us, when we were in our teens, 20s, 30s, had almost no side effects from this type of food. It starts to hit most of us around our 40s and 50s, although now it's so bad we have it hitting kids under 10. We now have seven-year-old type 2 diabetics, which is just insane when you realize that it used to be called adult-onset diabetes. Well, again, there's so much money to be made from the medication. You know, the, the, the industry wants people to have it. You can live forever on this. Uh, yep. Like I said, it, it's just, it, it will, here's a drug, here's a pill, whatever, eat whatever the hell you want. And, you know, I've got, like, my friend, my friend who has the son, it's like, well, you know, he doesn't like that food. I'm like, if you just change it, stop. You will like it. You know what I mean? Right. Just, just cut this stuff right. out and, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's where I am with the yeah. kids when they get like that. If you get hungry enough, it'll taste good. <laughs> Well, the thing is, it's like, you know, you're not being asked to eat anything, you're asked, you're being, you know, anything bad. Oh, let's have a, you know, a steak. I, well, um, did, did people yeah. like it better when we were telling them to eat rice cakes and celery? <laughs> I had a piece of salmon and, an, and a perfectly ripe avocado for lunch yesterday. It was a right. And, and I was fine for many hours. Finding that avocado for me is like like winning the lottery. When you get one of those perfect avocados, I'm so happy when I open one of those up and it's it's just the perfect texture and the right color and and and, and yeah. I know at that moment I have about thirty seconds before it's gonna go yep. beyond its prime. <laughs> yep. So nothing like that. And spring all it had was a sprinkle of uh, Himalayan salt on it and that was it. It's just uh, oh, that little bit of so Himalayan salt on the avocado just brings it to life. It's so just, good. It's just like so good. Flavor was amazing. Yeah. It, one more thing that I do to it. You're right. A nice, nice big flake crystal salt. So you, you can almost feel the crunch, but then a good squeeze of lime juice. too. Oh, yeah. Good yeah. squeeze of lime juice on there is really good. Is it lunchtime? I think it is. I'm starting to get hungry now. We're talking about food. <laughs> For you, it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I can, hey, I've got to get going. I just had a, had, a, had a customer walk in the door, actually. Got it. All right. Tell them we said hi. I will. All right. So. Uh, John, as always, thanks. And, and uh, 
we miss you when you're not oh, here. You're welcome. We will uh, see you real soon on another episode of Trucking Business and Beyond. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.